Haunted Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and we are Stranger Than. Today, it's uh, sort of a a soft two-parter today. We're starting with the life and times of the brilliant Nikola Tesla. And then next time, we're going to talk about that douchebag, Thomas Edison. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Nikola Tesla, a genius and a real humanitarian. Nikola Tesla was was a great, great inventor and a great human being. And Thomas Edison, not so much. Exactly. (laughs) If Nikola Tesla would have had his way, we would not have a symbol on our phones, on our laptops, on all of our stuff for low battery. Because if it was the way he wanted it, we would have free wireless energy. Yeah, imagine that. Imagine not getting a bill from the power company every month. Yep, being able to use as much heat as you want because it's just there. Mm-hmm. All cars, all vehicles, all just running off electricity and never having to charge. It would have been a would have been a lovely place. And of course, the internet was nowhere near being um, even thought of in Tesla's time. But oh, he no. he did kind of predict, like you know wireless communications not just cell phones but i i think he you know he he could really um imagine a future where things like our smartphones exist and imagine not having a fucking internet bill every month that would i'm I'm sure nikola tesla would have wanted that for us as well i'm sure he would have i myself am really getting fed up with having to pay like 150 bucks a month just for goddamn internet and then electricity on top of that. Uh-huh. And, and these are necessities of life. And they're basically just... Um, they're just going to shit on us for them. That's what they're yeah. going to do. They're just going to shit on us, Joanna. You need light. You need heat. And in today's age, you need the internet. If if anything, the pandemic has taught us is that, yeah, it's not a luxury. It's a fucking basic necessity. Exactly. Period. <laughs> well, let's talk about Nikola Tesla. He was born in a village called Smijan. It's in what is today Croatia. His birthday is on either July 10th or June 28th. It depends entirely on the calendar you use, whether you use the Gregorian or Julian calendar. The year was 1856 he was born. His father, Milituin, was an Eastern Orthodox priest, and his mother, Duka, made craft tools and mechanical appliances. She had an Eidetic memory, which is a photographic memory, so you you see something and it's fucking stuck with you, which Nicola inherited from her. How much easier would life have been if you could just read something and remember it or see something and remember it? School would have been a fucking breeze. (laughs) Tesla was the fourth of five children, three of which were sisters. His brother had died when Nicola was five years old. The same year his brother died, 1861, Nikola began his studies in math, religion, and German at a primary school. A primary school is for kids from ages 4 to around 11 to 13, depending upon the school. And they're pretty much just in Ireland, Australia, and the UK. It's elementary school is what we call it in North America, in in America and Canada. He graduated high school in 1873, which was a year earlier than he was supposed to. He was interested in demonstrations of electricity because of a physics professor he had. He was very interested in the mysterious phenomena he saw and wanted to know about more about all that stuff. Uh, he was also able to perform integral calculus in his head. His teachers all thought he was cheating because teachers don't generally like it when their students are smarter than they are. No, they do not. And being able to do calculus in your head... That's pretty amazing. That's that's something else. I don't know shit about calculus, but I know that it involves some pretty long 
formulas. It yeah, some um, stuff. There's I believe yeah, there's, there's all a lot kinds of things of and stuff that Symbols, go into calculus. Yeah, into calculus. Yeah, calculus. Yes. So he finishes school, goes back home, and then he gets sick with fucking cholera. Dude, cholera is the worst. Yeah, that's it's not great. It's a bacterial infection in your small intestine, and it can cause quite severe diarrhea. According to the CDC, one in ten people who get sick with cholera will have it so bad that without treatment they can die in hours from dehydration due to diarrhea and vomiting. Dude, you literally just like shit yourself to death. Yeah, yeah, and puke yourself to death. Every single time I have food poisoning or a stomach bug, I'm always convinced that it is cholera. When you you know, likely it isn't, but yeah, hopefully it's, it's just never so miserable been cholera. For me. Yeah, <laughs> I hope not either. But. Yeah, because that's that's not but, good. Yeah, no, cholera is so bad, but it's just so bad when you're experiencing those symptoms that you know it's just like, oh, I think I have fucking cholera. I'm pretty sure it's cholera. It's so bad. It's got to be cholera. And it, it fortunately never is. Yeah, fortunately not. I can't imagine the whole shitting and puking yourself to death. That yeah. Seems, that seems just awful. Such a terrible and messy way to die, especially like back when cholera was like a thing, like back in the 1800s and stuff, and you didn't even have like flushing toilets and stuff. Can oh, yeah. Like, just oh, in a bucket gross. in your bed or something. Yeah. <laughs> they would have these, like, cholera wards where they would literally be on cots with, like, a hole, like, cut out. Just so they could... Just so, like, they yeah, and they're just go. shitting water and, like, and have, like, a fucking bedpan underneath the cot, like, catching it. But, it, I mean, it would still be, like, splashing, like, everywhere and stuff. Yeah, it was, it was just... It was a disgusting time. Yeah, really, really gross. If you want to see, um, like, get a little taste of uh, what that must have been like, you should watch the movie The Painted Veil, which um, deals with the cholera epidemic in, like, the early 1900s in China. That sounds It's pretty delightful. graphic. <laughs> there's not a, I mean, the whole, it's not what the entire movie's about, but there's, there's a few scenes where you kind of, like, you get the gist of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well... He was that one in ten. He had it fucking bad. He was near death several times. He did yeah, end up recovering for nine months, something I like believe. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he at, at one of the times when he was almost dead, his father, who had hoped he'd become a priest, promised to send him to the best engineering school if he recovered. Just you know, I'm just promising your child whatever to try and get them to be better, and so. He got better. He did. Unfortunately, he didn't get to go to that engineering school right away. He had to run away to avoid conscription to the military, which is great. He spent his time on the lamb, basically, uh, just kind of exploring the wilderness. He got stronger and healthier, spent a lot of time reading, and he says that Mark Twain or rather the writings of Mark Twain, helped him completely recover from his illness. Yeah, and he really also appreciated the uh, the experiences that he had out there, like in, you know, the wild and nature, too. Yeah. Yeah. He learned stuff, and mm -hmm. he got better, which was good, I'm sure. Made him a better, stronger human being. I'm sure it made him feel a lot better, you know, as opposed to being bedridden and constantly shitting. Right. He did become quite a bit of a germaphobe following the bout of cholera, which I think would be yeah, understandable. I mean, if you barely know what germs are, then <laughs> it's, uh, they're scary fucking things. Yeah, I have a whole. I will. I'll. I'll get to it later. A whole uh, list of uh, his kind of his uh, weird, um, you know, eccentricities and <laughs> yeah, and eccentricities. One of them being a germaphobe, but also uh, loving pigeons, which I feel like is just that's really weird to have that go hand in hand because pigeons are gross. Pigeons are disgusting. I but, guess actually yeah. <laughs> they're they're fairly intelligent and they're only disgusting depending upon their environment. And so I imagine it was less of a filthy place back in the day than it is now. New York City, Could at be. least. 
could be. I mean, having a whole hotel room filled with pigeons, I don't care how fucking, like... <laughs> true, that's true, that's true. Like, that's still going to be disgusting, in my opinion, but, you yeah, know, any we'll, kind of we'll bird. get to all that. Any kind of bird. <laughs> in 1875, at the age of 19, he enrolled in the Imperial Royal Technical College in Graz, Austria, on a scholarship. He was a fantastic student and never missed a class. He passed nine exams, which was damn near double what he needed to actually like pass the course, and he also got the highest grades possible. He was smart as hell. To say he was insanely smart is an understatement. Didn't he also like study like 20 hours a day? Oh yeah, he was a workaholic. I mean, the rest of his whole life he was a workaholic. He would work 20 hours a day. Every day, so seven days a week, fucking holidays, weekends, everything. Uh, the dean actually sent his father a letter saying that Nicola was a star of first rank. However, his father sort of just made fun of him. Made fun of his work ethic and all of the accolades he'd won. And that he wasn't happy with that. It, it upset him. As you know, well, one could imagine that is very upsetting. It's I mean, you want up. to, yeah, it is fucked up. Like, look at my son; he's so fucking smart, huh? You know, I mean, come on, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, you should be proud of that. Really, really proud. He actually lost his scholarship during his second year, and he fell into a deep depression. He started gambling, and that quickly became an addiction. During what would have been his third year, so his second year out of school, he gambled away all of his inheritance and his tuition money, but he won it back. So, kind of a wash. At that moment, he said that he had, he was, he was not a gambler anymore. He was done. He'd conquered his, his addiction. Everything was fine. He did later gamble on billiards when he was in the United States, but whatever, whatever. Right. I guess it wasn't really that much of a problem henceforth. Well, he was just a very disciplined person in general. Like, he had weird, um, almost like hallucinations and stuff as a kid. And, like, really disturbing images and, like, you know, the, the, these brind blinding bright lights that would just kind of, like, randomly appear in his visual field. And he actually, like, trained himself to, like, not have them anymore. Which is just, I mean, <laughs> what fucking kid does that, you know? Yeah, just having all these visual disturbances and hallucinations and just like, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to see that anymore. I'm not going to yep. see what's not real anymore. But I've had enough. Yeah, he basically like trained himself to, you know, not have those experiences, ex except in times of high stress, they would sometimes come back. But on the general day to day, he found a way to suppress them. He also could think in like 3D yeah, which is, and which is yeah, 3D yeah. pictures. He just, he had an amazing mind. It was, it was insane. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, if he did, um, you know, fall victim to an addiction, no matter what it was, that he kind of had like the, the self-will to overcome it. Just be like, okay, I'm not addicted yeah. anymore. It's fine. Enough is enough. I'm done with this. Well, he did end up back in school. Uh, but when it came time for his exams, he wasn't prepared. So he asked for extra time to prepare for them. You know, I guess he'd come in late or whatever. But this was denied, so he just dropped out of school. He was probably the most intelligent person that had ever set foot in that fucking college. And he did not graduate from it. <laughs> so, hey. College isn't for everybody. It isn't, and it's definitely not something that defines someone's intelligence. No, not at all. After leaving the school, he also sort of just disappeared. He left his friends and his family, and he was uh, just because he was too embarrassed to tell them that he was he, he did not complete school. I his get that. His friends actually thought <laughs> he had drowned in the Mur River. But he actually had moved to Maribor where he worked as a draftsman and spent his time just playing cards with the local dudes. In the next year, his father went there to try and convince him to come home, and he refused. He did have a nervous breakdown after that, and in March 1879, did end up back at his parents' home. 
And he was taken there because he didn't have a residence permit for where he was living. So he was basically homeless, more or less. Or illegally there, whichever. His father died the next month when he was only 23 years old. So he went back to his parents' house in March. And then his father died in April. After his father's death, he found a stack, a stack of letters from the dean of his college telling his father that he was a hard worker and if he kept working that hard, it might kill him and that he needed to be withdrawn from school for his health. So that's also pretty wild, you know? He was working so hard. He was putting in so many hours that people around him were like, dude, fucking calm it down. You're, you can't sustain this. And his dad didn't do... Maybe that's why his father was making fun of him. Was to try and get him to leave college in his own not overly healthy way. Yeah, I just don't think it's... It, it's just important to be honest with your children. Just be like, dude, the dean is writing me and saying that you're literally killing yourself. Yeah, knock it off. Or whatever. Why don't you take a step back? Don't don't do this weird like you know. Oh hey, I'm gonna like do some weird like trick psychological trickery to try and get you to quit. Like right, right. Just but be I, straight up. Who knows? Maybe I mean, who knows what it was like in Austria back then? His uncles, one of his uncles, gave him money to leave Gospit, Croatia, which is where his parents lived or where his father had lived, and to go to Prague, Czech Republic. So that he could continue to study, which he tried to do, but he could not do because he didn't speak Greek, nor did he speak Czech. And you needed to do those two things. So he just kind of sat in in a few philosophy classes, didn't get any grades, but just learned some stuff about philosophy. How weird is that that you have to know Greek? Uh, Not that weird. I mean, that's a classic language and it's also a, a a language that like the bible was written in so i can see how they'd want you to learn greek in these kinds of places back in the day i thought latin was the uh you know that's the catholic church language Who knows? <laughs> they just want him to learn greek you know give him a reason to not get in here you don't know greek go fuck yourself i guess for the next couple of years he worked at utility companies He was a great employee because he would figure out some shit that was going wrong and fix it. There'd be major problems. He'd get promoted and never really make any more money. So that sucked. While he was working for Edison Electric Lights Company in Paris, France, Charles Batchelor, who was his manager, who also was a close friend of Thomas Edison, he was recalled to manage a different Edison business in the United States. And recognizing the mind on Tesla said, you should come with me to New York City. Which Tesla was like, yes, let's get out of here. Let's go to New York. He worked there at the Edison Machine Works place for about six months. Before he quit his job. Because as it turns out, Edison was a shitty dude to work for. And Bachelor was not one to pay his employees well. Right. And also, I think, and this is when he had first proposed the whole, like, um, AC uh, idea to Edison, and Edison, like, completely shot it down. Yeah. Edison was all about the DC and was, like, basically, like, you know, forget about this idea. You're never going to make it work. And Tesla was totally, like, that just really sucked for him because I think up to that point, he really looked up to Edison and thought that he could really help him. Yeah. And then with the whole, uh, you know, powering America deal and Edison just like completely shot him down. And so it's all about that that, uh, big copper, you know, (laughs) (laughs) takes a lot of copper to make a DC network. Yes. And then of course the, uh, alternating current theory was better. And yeah, I'm sure. Probably uh, Thomas Edison d- doesn't like it when people have like better ideas than he does. Oh no! Why would you? No, 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 no. <laughs> he, do you know who, who that guy is? The AC is better. Alternating current is better and works much better. It's what we use today. <laughs> yeah. Yep. There are some <laughs> DC than... things, but AC is how it gets from 
uh, like from these the through all of our cities pretty much. If it was DC, I think it would be like every single house would have to have some uh-huh. sort of generator to boost yes. the signal again. Yes, that's exactly what it is because the direct current um, loses power the the longer it goes, the more and more power it loses. Whereas the alternating current keeps Doesn't. powering itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I watched like a thing on it, you know, and, and that's, that's about as much as I can explain it. Because hey, <laughs> works for me. Listen to ACDC, guys. <laughs> uh, DC is like a, is like kind of like a river and like, you know, the longer it goes, the, the less power might be, you know, it gets like you know less water flowing and trickles down to a stream whereas dc is like an or as ac is like a, an ocean wave and just keeps coming and coming and coming of the same amplitude doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. uh, degenerate at all yes but uh thomas edison was really really wanting to hold on to that whole like dc is the champ uh, yeah, idea. well, it would have made. He didn't, he didn't want to let that one go. It would have made a lot of people a lot of money, and that's, uh, I think, himself somebody, included. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> and whatever guy had bought up all the copper, and was hoping to sell it off to power America, you know. Yeah. After leaving Edison Machine Works, he started to create his own patent for an arc lighting system, which was something he had worked on with the Edison Company. The, product, the project had been shelved, and he was denied his promised bonus for the project. In 1885, he met with Edison's patent attorney to ask for help, and was introduced to two businessmen, Robert Lane and Benjamin Vale. Fuck shits. Fuck shits, yes, indeed. <laughs> they agreed to help finance his arc manufacturing and utility company, Tesla Electric Lights and Manufacturing. He worked to get patents, including a DC generator, his first patent in the U.S., and he developed alternating current motors, so AC motors, and electrical transmission equipment. The investors just sort of pissed the company away. They just turned it into an electric utility company, and they didn't really give a shit about the patents he wanted. And so he didn't get to do anything he wanted to do, really. Well, and the patents were in the name of the company, and so when... That was dissolved. He lost the patents. Nothing. He lost the patents, and just basically got royally fucked, and that sucks. He was broke. He worked as a ditch digger for a whopping two dollars a day. Yeah, digging ditches. That's um, that's some hard labor. Yeah, definitely. And he just felt like his all of his brilliance was just useless it was it was a mockery him having even learned all that stuff because of what he ended up doing well yeah when you're having to dig ditches to feed yourself it probably does feel like a big fucking mockery and a waste to have all these to have all this education and knowledge and but not you be know, able to do shit with it yeah i mean you don't really use any of that when you're just fucking shoveling dirt nope not at all by the end of the same year 1886, he had found some new investors, Alfred Brown and Charles Peck. These two had experience setting up new companies and promoting new inventions and patents to make money. Sounds pretty good. After hearing of Nikola's new ideas, including a thermomagnetic motor, they decided to invest in him and formed the Tesla Electric Company in April of 1887, with an agreement that all financial gains would be divided a third to Nikola, a third to the investors, Brown and Peck, and a third to be used for development. Tesla invented an induction motor, and that used an alternating current, which was patented in 1888. George Westinghouse, CEO of Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing Company, had been working on a similar patent, but decided that Nikola's patent would probably be the better one. In July of 1888, and deal was negotiated with Westinghouse for Nikola's polyphase induction motor and transformer design for 60 grand, which is just over a million and a half today, in cash and stock, and a royalty of $2.50, around $69 today, per AC horsepower produced by each motor. Lucrative. 
Very lucrative. He also hired Nicola for a year to be a consultant at Westinghouse Electric and Manufacturing at the Pittsburgh Labs, and was paid a salary in addition to all of this shit of two grand a month, which is right around 60000 a month today. Very, very lucrative. Yes. At this time, there was a bit of a war going on between the three major utility companies, Westinghouse, Edison, and Thomason Houston, each trying to grow and thrive while still undercutting all the other companies. Two years later, Westinghouse was in financial trouble. You see, they were paying Nicola way too much. <laughs> uh, he was getting $15,000 a year for his induction motor, which is $400,000 today. And it was still stuck in production. In 1891, Westinghouse told Nicola that his royalty was going to have to go or it was going to bankrupt the company and Nicola was going to have to deal with the bankers, which he did not want to do. So he agreed to drop the royalty clause. No problem. No royalties. Yeah, and he didn't... This was probably, obviously, it would turn out not to be in Tesla's best interest because that royalty money would have made him super, super rich. Yes. Like, super rich. But I think this really speaks to the kind of person that he was. I mean, Westinghouse's company was overextended in paying Tesla and then all the money uh, where they're they're trying to, like, you know, produce this induction motor. And when he comes to Tesla and says, like, yeah, we don't have the money to keep going on this rather than trying to negotiate something like a future, whatever. I mean, he just says, okay, fine. Like, because no I, it was more important to him, I think, to to get this made. Yeah, he wanted the technology out there. He wanted the technology out there for for people to use, and that was, and it wasn't about how much money he he made off of it. He wasn't even going to sit and like talk to a lawyer or try to negotiate. It, it was just like, okay, fine, let's just get this thing rolled. Whatever needs to happen to get this thing rolled out. Yeah. Well, six years later, Westinghouse purchased the patent for $216,000, which is $6 million today. It was sort of a part of a patent-sharing agreement with General Electric, which was a company created by Thomas Houston and Edison merging together. So fucked again. <laughs> yes, fucked again. I think, um, you know, probably that sucked, but I think at the time he you know he just wanted to get his stuff made so yeah it yeah definitely speaks to the kind of person he was versus the kind of person that the others were which was more about yeah they wanted to create the technology but they also wanted to make a shitload of money off of it and he actually had made enough money that he was able to start working independently yeah yeah it would only be later on when he would start to like run dry that he would start to kind of like feel embittered about the whole deal because had he not released the royalty clause, I mean he would have a steady like he would still be generating a steady income no matter what because oh, yeah. of that clause yeah he wouldn't have so, had to work basically he could have just worked on what he wanted to not what he had to. Right. So I think that later later on when he had more brilliant ideas and just was running out of money and sponsors to um, make them a reality, that's that's kind of when it hit him like, God, I really got fucked on that whole Westinghouse deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He worked out of several different spaces in Manhattan, uh, New York, and it's believed that during this time he probably did some of his best work in the summer of 89, 1889, he traveled to Paris, and he learned of Heinrich Hertz's experiments, and that proved the existence of electromagnetic radiation, including radio waves. He explored and worked on this discovery and worked to develop an improvement on his arc lighting system. He had had difficulties with overheating and melting, and so he invented... I've got these... Here's Tesla... He's got these problems, so he invents something to take care of the problems. He invents an oscillating transformer to solve the problem with the overheating and melting. It would eventually be called the Tesla coil, and it would be used to produce high-voltage, low-current, high-frequency, alternating-current electricity. And this is what he wanted to use for wireless power. This was sort mm -hmm. of his, the, the beginnings of that. 
the Tesla coil is amazing. Yes, yes, it is. It's 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 pretty crazy shit right there, and you know I commend his bravery for working with it because if there's one thing that really freaks me out, it's electricity. Oh yeah, and just being super comfortable working with it. Yeah, and some of the shit he builds, uh, it, not you know not too long from from this time, it's just insane. Like how much electrical current is like running through these giant coils that he's making, and he's just out there on his chair taking notes, where like these huge freaking bolts of electricity are just all over the place around <laughs> right. him. And like, he's just dude, I would be there. like shitting my pants. <laughs> I would not be in that room. <laughs> no. No, he actually would do some demonstrations where he would have, um, you know, he the Tesla coil would, you know, create his, uh, like, his electromagnetic field, and he would allow the current to, like, run through him, like, over his skin and stuff, which I guess is probably acutely painful, but um, not deadly. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he was a really great showman, and and he did all sorts of stuff with with these uh, currents produced off of his Tesla coil to you know wow the audiences and potential investors. Pretty crazy. The year he patented his Tesla coil was also the year he became a naturalized citizen of the United States, of eighteen ninety one. So it was eighteen ninety where he really started working on his ideas of wireless power. And mm-hmm. he had spent nearly 10 years working on wireless lighting. He found a few people that would help support him, but he was never able to really produce a usable thing. Like He had all these great ideas and everything and could almost make them work, but none of them were really viable. He was also very certain that he could create a system that could conduct intelligible signals or even power without the use of wires, by conducting it through the earth. Which is not something we can do, I don't think. (laughs) (laughs) No. In 1893, Westinghouse was using an induction motor developed by Nikola as they held the patent. Unfortunately, Nikola didn't anymore. Having this rotary converter able to provide electricity to all potential customers, they called their new system the Tesla Polyphase System. Westinghouse no longer working with Tesla, called his new system the Tesla Polyphase System. What was that supposed to be, like a nod to him or... uh... A nod or a fuck you, I don't know which. (laughs) They invited Nikola to an electric exhibit to show off their new toy, and he agreed and attended to get... And he showed up and gave a demonstration of the device. So, I mean, he was totally chill with it. Uh, Maybe they... Maybe a Westinghouse, it wasn't so much a fuck you as a... Like, thanks for being such a cool dude. We're going to name this thing after you or whatever. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say he took it much better than, I don't know, other people, like, such yeah. as, like, Thomas Edison. Like, yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> that guy did some really um, fucked up shit in the uh, quest to prove that his way was better. Oh, yeah. Nice guy. Nice guy. Yeah. Super nice guy. Tesla also used the space and the audience to give a demonstration of his new wireless lighting system, including using a high-voltage, high-frequency alternating current to light wireless gas discharge lights. Here's a quote from an observer. Within the room were suspended two hard rubber plates covered with tinfoil. These were about 15 feet apart and served as terminals of the wires leading from the transformers. When the current was turned on, the lamps or tubes, which had no wires connected to them, but lay on a table between the suspended plates, or which might be held in the hand almost any part of the room, were made luminous. These were the same experiments and the same apparatus shown by Tesla in London about two years beforehand, and they produced much wonder and astonishment. So basically, you've just got these light bulbs more or less these tesla light bulbs and when he would make this power go they would light up and they weren't plugged into anything no it was all because of the electric field created by his tesla coil exactly 
Uh, during this exhibit, he also introduced his steam power reciprocating electrical gener generator, which he had patented that year, and he thought this was an improved method to creating an alternate current. Another thing he worked on, kind of building off of that, was uh, a way to make it harness the energy from Niagara Falls. He thought that would be the best way to do it, as opposed to how it's done. Mm-hmm. I believe he was instrumental in making that happen because Westinghouse is the one who um, ultimately was granted the use of Niagara Falls. Yeah. To power all that shit, and Tesla helped him fucking do it all. In 1895, so back a few years here, Edward Adams was so impressed with Tesla's work that he helped found the Nikola Tesla Company. And this was a place to continue to work on a bunch of his old patents as well as new ones. Alfred Brown also signed on and bought patents that were created under Peck and Brown. And two, board board, two more board members, William Rankine and Charles Coney, filled out the group. They didn't have very many people investing because times was tough financially, but they did handle all of his patents for decades. That same year, 1895, a fire burned down one of his labs, and it just destroyed a bunch of shit that God knows what it actually was. He lost notes, models, research, all kinds of shit. I'm not really surprised that something caught on fire, you know? I mean... <laughs> yeah, it, it actually shocks me that more things did not catch on fire. Oh, yeah, no, sh no shit. Although his AC motor that he developed was... That was one of the special features about it was that it didn't, like, touch the coils because of the the magnetic shit involved. Um, unlike... Edison's DC current, which actually touched and sparked. Oh, yeah, yeah. The DC motor current, it let off sparks, and so that was one of the really fucking Dangerous. Awesome... Oh, yeah. That one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so dangerous. I'm I'm so glad that that didn't end up being a thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he made it so that nothing actually touched the, the current, and it was all done with um, magnets and pretty ingenious but nonetheless he did work with huge amounts of electricity so oh yeah oh yeah the fact that more things did not catch fire is actually i don't know that's kind of amazing to me that there was only like the one <laughs> yeah seriously uh he was also working on an x-rays and uh trying to get him to do stuff trying to get one to work on a radio remote control i'm not exactly sure what that is but or what that's supposed to do, but... Well, isn't that RC, the, the radio-controlled? X-ray, but is it, is it X-ray-controlled, though? I don't know. Yeah. In... From 1890 to 1906, he worked on a way to transmit electrical power without using the power lines. This is the wireless energy we've been talking about. He believed that he could do this as well with around-the-world communication which would be great, you know, if we could mm -hmm. communicate around the world. A prevalent idea at the time was that the Earth's atmosphere was conductive. So he suggesting you suggested using balloons that suspended, transmitted and received electrodes in the air over 300 over an altitude of 300,000 feet or something. He believed the lower pressure would let him send millions of volts over long distances. I don't think that the atmosphere is actually conductive. <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure that was wrong he wanted to study the nature of low air pressure so he set up exper an experimental station in Colorado Springs he, he needed some space to more safely test his large ass coils he was using and he couldn't do that yes. in his New York labs uh, clearly not that, no that, didn't want any more those fires. things were huge giant oh my gosh I mean I would give anything to have been able to, like, to go back in time and, like, check that place out. I would be wildly afraid, again, because of all the electricity right. generated from, by from the... From a distance. From a distance. From a distance. Yeah. Um, you remember the the movie The Prestige? I... Yes, I think I did see that one. Is that the one that had David Bowie in it? 
I don't know if David Bowie was in that. It was Hugh Jackman and, uh, you know, the Batman guy. Christian Bale? Christian Bale. But yeah, didn't, Hugh Jackman and Christian Bale. Didn't David Bowie play Nikola Tesla? He might have. Okay, that might that might be why I'm getting stuck right there. But yeah, he went to Tesla to, you know, do his whole uh, disappearance trick. Which, I mean, that's completely fictionalized, but one part about the movie, which ends up being, which is kind of true, which I got a kick out of reading, was that when he arrives in Colorado Springs to, like, go visit Tesla, um, the lights at the hotel, like, flicker because <laughs> yeah. Tesla's, like, running his shit, and that, like, actually happened. Like, he would generate and use so much power with his giant coils and shit that... The towns uh, like you, the would, town would like lose power. Lose, yeah, <laughs> kind of brown out a little bit. And yeah, it was it was David Bowie actually that played Tesla. Nice, nice. So yeah, I got I got kind of a kick out of that 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 actually happened where he would um, cause the entire town of Colorado Springs to lose power um, because of his experiments. So oh yeah, he was working in uh, megavolts. And uh, he was getting free power from an El Paso power company that he had a friend at. He asked this guy to invest in his company. And this guy thought he was investing in the wireless energy. But in reality, he was investing to this Colorado Springs thing. (laughs) And so his experiments, yeah, used so much power that he burned out the town. Yeah. He actually I just out... love it though. I love Nikola Tesla just out there being like mad scientist with his giant fucking coils and right. shit. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> let's play with power, guys. Uh huh. It's awesome. It's fucking awesome. He was also hearing these strange signals at the time. He believed they were coming from another planet. He thought they were coming from Mars or Venus. They were actually being sent from his rival Marconi who is sending signals dot, 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 which is S in Morse code, at a demonstration. Uh, He's actually the guy that managed to send that wireless transmission from England to Newfoundland in December of 1901, which beat Nikola in the race for wireless transmission. He was using, uh, like, he was building it off of Tesla's, like, ideas and That's what Tesla believed. He believed that he was using shit he'd copied from from tesla well the supreme court believed it too because they gave the shit back to tesla but only after he died yeah so <laughs> so that sucks that sucks for him fucked again jp morgan <laughs> actually gave him one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, which is over 4.1 million today in return for 51 percent of any generated wireless patents mm-hmm. and that's uh when he began working on the wardenclyffe tower which was an experimental wireless transmission station that he was building in New York. Right. And I think, um, you know, JP Morgan was under the impression that it was for wireless use, but this was also what Tesla didn't tell him was that he was, you know, also trying to use it for his, you know, give power to everybody for free. Yeah. I mean, uh, he was pretty naive when it came to contracts, patents and working with the, the big money guys, but he was smart enough to like, not, (laughs) <laughs> let jp morgan in on that little secret because <laughs> yeah, i'm pretty JP sure jp morgan, morgan would not have approved no jp morgan happens to be all about the benjamins and i don't even know yes. if they're actually benjamins then but nevertheless he wanted some dollar bills <laughs> dollar dollar bills yo yeah he would not have approved i think of you know giving the peasants like free power like no no not it's at like, all that's that's not what we're investing in now, even after he didn't win the race for wireless transmission, he kept building his tower and he kept sending letters to J.P. Morgan demanding more money. <laughs> he sent more than 50 letters, just like, I need some more money for this fucking shit. When Morgan died, he wrote letters to Morgan's son. Uh, investors, however, began giving Marconi money for the work and stuff. And Well, and that's unfortunate because I think it was figured out you know again after tesla's death that yeah no marconi totally like used like tesla's ideas and and patents to to do that oh yeah and he was actually the 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 media started painting him as like a scam artist and shit yeah not a good not good times no so he stopped working on the project in 1905 and 
1906, they, his debts kind of started catching up to yeah. him. Yeah, so they he had to like mortgage the land that the the big tower was on, and eventually it got demoed for yeah. scrap metal. He uh, lost. He it actually uh, was foreclosed in 1915, and then it was demolished in 1917 by the new owners. Uh, he pretty much moved from lab to lab trying to work, but he had no money. His patents had run out. He was having trouble with new inventions. He actually tried to sue Marconi, but it, nothing happened for that. And after that, he didn't do quite as much. I mean, that was sort of his golden age of work. Uh, he did continue to invent, and he was always looking for funding. And he always had ideas he wanted to develop. Uh, so, I mean there's that i feel like if he hadn't got if he had been a little bit more business savvy or if he hadn't gotten shit on so much that he would have more to his name than a fucking car company run by some guy (laughs) you know elon musk yeah some fucking yeah guy yeah because he (laughs) He just did so much and so much crazy shit. It, it it is unfortunate he wasn't as as business savvy, but I think that in a lot of ways that just kind of speaks to him as a person. He wasn't all about. Yeah. The only money he wanted was to um, continue with perpetuate his work. Yeah. His, his work, which he wanted to ultimately use for the benefit of humanity. And during his time, he was quite recognized. I mean, he he won tons of medals. Tons of awards. I don't even know what half of them are. I don't know what any of them are. Let's be fair here. He won <laughs> Grand Officer of the Order of St. Saba in Serbia, or from Serbia in 1892. Elliot Crescent Medal, Franklin Institute USA in 1894. Gr- Grand Cross of the Order of Prince Danilo I in Montenegro, 1895. AIEE Edison Medal. Institute of Electronical and Electronics Engineers, USA, 1917. Grand Cross of the Order of St. Sava. So he was a grand officer and he got the Grand Cross, too. And that was from Yugoslavia in 1926. Grand Cross of the Order of the Yugoslav Crown, also from Yugoslavia in 1931. John Scott Medal, again from the, uh, from the Franklin Institute and Philadelphia City Council, United States of America, in 1934. Grand Cross of the Order of the White Lion from what was then Czechoslovakia in 1937. Today it's the Czech Republic. The Medal of the University of Paris from Paris, France in 1937. And the Medal of the University St. Clement of Okrita, Sofia, Bulgaria, 1939. There's at least 278 patents issued to Tesla in 26 countries, and that's and that's all that's been accounted for. There could be more out there. Uh, many of his patents were in the United States, Britain, and Canada, but many other patents were approved in countries all around the world. Many inventions that he developed were not even put into patent protection, and it's just, just a ton, just a ridiculous ton of shit. Too much shit to even talk about. Yeah. I love that he patented flying a flying saucer. Yeah. <laughs> before they were cool. <laughs> yeah, way before they were cool. And it was actually pretty crazy, the mechanics that went into that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Probably if that had actually been able to be built, that, that could have done some some crazy shit and he had some i mean like wonderfully naive thoughts about the future yeah i mean if people were generally good then i think he could be right but that's unfortunately not the case it is yeah exactly the flying saucer utilized the uh, powers of electromagnetic force instead of gravitational ah but for it to have worked, he would have had to have had his his towers, all you know, his his big towers set up to you know create his Tesla towers. <laughs> yeah, he would have had to have his Tesla towers set up to create the uh, electronic fields um, in order to to power it. So 
you know, obviously that never came to be. No, unfortunately not. He did say about the flying machines in the future. There's a quote from him. Perhaps the most valuable application of wireless power will propel flying machines. So, yeah, his wireless, um, you know, his tower is set up to to make everything wireless. We're going to propel his flying machines. They will not need any fuel and be free from any limitations of today's airplanes and airships. It will allow people to fly from New York to Europe in a few hours. International borders are largely destroyed, and a major step will be taken towards the unification and harmonious existence of various races that inhabit the planet. How very Star Trek. Very Star Trek, and it's just, like, a little sad because, like, you know, I think maybe if he'd just gotten better funding and hadn't gotten fucked so many times by... People and corporations. I mean, maybe maybe that could have maybe that could be like today. Okay, we could all be in um, electromagnetic powered flying saucers with you know free of borders and everyone living in harmony. Or if he would have gone to England instead of America, <laughs> and you know not had fucking people all up, him him being the man at the time. So you know, him being able to get all the funding because he was the only one there and, you know, Edison can go fuck himself. So he patented the the flying saucer in 1928, but that quote is from 1926. It's 1926, and this guy is hoping for a future uh, with the unification and harmonious existence of various races that inhabit the planet. I mean... That's a goddamn better reality than we're living right now i know i know and this guy was just so awesome and and uh wonderful it just it makes me me kind of sad i mean i wish i'm glad he lived when he did because he kind of like pushed us into the future and and made it possible for us to have a lot of the things that we have today but also it's kind of sad that like it uh, didn't give us what he saw as what could be today right what could be today and that you know not everything was available to him to to make it be that way but what a guy what a guy who 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 i don't think a lot of people in 1926 were dreaming of a future where you know all races were you know in harmony with one another and everyone's you know living this great existence kind of the nazis but they envisioned there only being one race in harmony and right, there being no that, other races. Exactly. They're, they're, uh, it didn't involve unifying everyone. It involved yeah. like just like killing everyone that wasn't them. Now, as you said, Tesla was big on pigeons. And so when he lived in New York, he would oftentimes go for walks to feed the birds. So he's 81 years old, and it's 1937. It's after midnight, because he never sleeps. And he goes for a walk to the cathedral and the library to feed the pigeons. A couple blocks from the hotel he was staying at, he goes to cross the street, and he was old, and he was not able to dodge the crazy fucking taxi that hit him, not right on, but it threw him to the ground. It fucked up his back, and three of his ribs were broken. No one really knows how badly he was hurt, because he never went to a doctor. He also never fully recovered. So in 1943, he was 86 years old, and a maid at the hotel he was living at, Alice Monahan, saw the Do Not Disturb sign on his room, which was 3327. It was been up for a couple of days, so she opened the door and she found him, found his body. The assistant medical examiner, H.W. Wembley, examined the body and said that the death would been caused by coronary thrombosis. It's a heart attack. Two days later, the FBI ordered the alien property custodian to seize Tesla's belongings. This man, he's called John G. Trump, the uncle of none other... The Donald? Yes. It was his uncle that got to go through all of Tesla's shit and decide what went where. 
Well, the FBI took a lot of it, and as well as the, uh, you know, Office of Alien Property. John G. Trump was a professor at MIT, and he was also a well-known electrical engineer, and was serving as a technical aide to the National Defense Research Committee. And after a three-day investigation, Trump, his report concluded that there was nothing which would constitute a hazard in unfriendly hands. He said that the past 15 years of Tesla's research was speculative, philosophical, and promotional. Uh, and it was mainly concerned with the production of the wireless mm-hmm. wireless power. Yes. Although um, the FBI, I mean, that's what they said. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they did confiscate the box that said Death Ray, which actually was a multi-cade resistance box, which is some kind of like electrical panel or something. It was on January 10th that the mayor of New York read a eulogy. It was written by a Slovenian, Slovenian-American author, Louis Adamic, and he read it live over WNYC radio while the violin pieces of Eva Maria and Tamo Delaca were played in the background. Two days later, 2,000 people attended a state funeral for Tesla at the Cathedral of St. John the Divine in Manhattan. After the funeral, his body was taken to Ferncliff Cemetery in Ardsley, New York, where it was later cremated. Uh, the next day, there was another service, which had some prominent priests in a Trinity Chapel, which is today's Serbian Orthodox Cathedral of St. Saba in New York City. His ashes are displayed in a gold-plated sphere on a marble pedestal in the Nikola Tesla Museum. Pretty awesome. He was uh, quite a dude. He knew tons of fucking languages. Eight, I believe. Serbo-Croatian, Czech, English, French, German, Hungarian, Italian, and Latin. Not Greek. But I guess he did, you know, pick up the the Czech (laughs) eventually. He <laughs> only slept like two hours a night. He walked between eight to ten miles a day. He, yeah. He curled his toes 100 times for each foot each night, believing it was good for brain power. Uh, as, he became, as he aged, he became vegetarian, and his diet consisted of milk, bread, honey, and vegetable juice. He also had a thing with the number three. An obsession with a number three, which is why he was in room 3327. Any hotel room he stayed in had to be divisible by the number three. And who he was, he 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 got what he wanted. I mean, he would always have his dinner at 8, 10 p.m. It was either at Delmonico's or the Waldorf Astoria. And he would call his order in ahead. And he would only allow the head waiter to serve him. <laughs> He also had to envision the amount of food, like, on the spoonful. Like, he had to, like, calculate, like, the volume of it before every bite. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, he wouldn't, like, <laughs> maximum enjoy enjoyment, it you know, Maximum amount of taste-to-tongue ratio or something. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Some other weird hang-ups that he had um, where he hated uh, anything that was round. He also hated uh, women's earrings. He actually never had, as far as anyone knows, a relationship with a woman. He was, he died at 86 no. and had, was probably a virgin. I just don't think he had time. Yeah. Yeah, well, his, his, his love was invention. And I think, and then he had like, you know, like personal phobias and weirdness. Yeah, like he hated yeah. the thought of touching someone else's hair. So, and and he hated, like, earrings and, and round things. Like, he would send his secretary home for the day if she was wearing, like, pearls. <laughs> because. Like, I, I can't handle those, lady. They're round. you got to go home. <laughs> He's like, I fucking, I can't even with that. you got to get out of here. Um, back to the FBI stuff. I actually looked at, like, the FBI vaults, um, which kind of describes, like, his like they have a there's like tons and tons of stuff and so much of it is illegible i'm like kind of annoyed (laughs) like can't you do a better job at this fucking fbi they did go and they took like a bunch of his shit 
and there's a letter describing all the the shit that it took like not like what was actually in it but that yeah. they basically confiscated everything following his death for reasons of national security except for what John G Trump said was not dangerous in the hands of enemies right except that they did confiscate other stuff apparently because there were constantly people writing to the FBI saying we understand that you have all of his stuff and we would kind of like um you know some of it back that isn't you know deemed classified for national security reasons they're like nah yeah well and okay so yeah like there's all these letters coming in like you know dear sir it's come to my attention that you have all this stuff and it's basically all these fucking letters like and it'll have like the response back like this stuff was like declassified in 1980 so yeah up until 1980 all his correspondence was actually classified um and it's basically jager hoover saying okay uh sorry it's the office of alien property that has all that stuff we don't actually have the items go talk to them and then he would get like there'd be like another letter saying well i wrote to the office of alien property and they told me that you guys were actually the ones that seized it so again what can we do to get this and this is stuff about like his gold edison medal that he got right right and other you know writings and and things that you know people want the edison medal people were wanting for the purposes of celebrating his like you know what would have been his 100th birthday and people are trying to you know they're not like can we get his death ray (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) can i have a look at that please yeah and just wanting other you know like his personal letters and stuff like that like biographers wanting this information and it's basically, yeah, it's J. Edgar Hoover constantly just being like, oh, yeah, OAP's got that stuff. Go talk to them. And then they'd come back and be like, OAP says that you have it. And, like, again, we don't have it, you know, when they actually probably do. They're, you know, yeah, and just, J. Edgar Hoover's just like, eat a dick. Yeah, like, just fucking people around because that's what they do. Oh, my God. It was so fucking annoying because I'm just, like, getting pissed, like, you know, reading these, like, beautifully, like... Like, the time that people take to write these letters, and then Jay or, and Jay or who was just like, fuck you. No, basically. fuck you. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Big ol' fuck you. Now, you know, Tesla's name was mentioned in relation to um, the Philadelphia experiment. Oh, yeah. Is that yeah. the one where the, that was the, the aircraft carrier or whatever that, turned invisible but actually like jumped the battleship yeah so apparently yeah i mean so none of this has been proven to have actually happened mind you um and if it did i'm pretty sure like that's that's probably still classified oh yeah i'm sure (laughs) i doubt that that's gonna get declassified anytime soon um but it was under project rainbow which i believe um eisenhower had had started and it was uh learning the ways of invisibility for war purposes and it was using the electromag yeah and it was um tesla was brought onto it because of his knowledge of electromagnetic fields and it was trying to use that technology to make a ship invisible like not just invisible to radar but invisible to the naked eye like you look and it's not there yes so as the story goes Nikola Tesla was helping on the project and had actually exceeded, succeeded in making a battleship invisible. But he had received information from extraterrestrials that if humans were used, it would be catastrophic. And he even went so far as to try to sabotage the experiment before walking away from the whole thing. Now, the Philadelphia experiment happened after Nikola's death because he died in January 1943, and the incident occurred in October of 1943. But the guy who took over for Tesla basically did not, you know, was just like, nope, we're going forward with uh, having people on board while making it invisible. And at that point, it disappeared and and uh reappeared in norfolk virginia so yeah and that's 
That's a whole <laughs> different thing. That's a, that's that's a crazy thing. We should talk about that sometime. Yeah, and apparently, uh, you know, there was like this big glow, and when the ship reappeared, um, people were on fire, had gone insane. And there's also some people that had actually, like, melded to the ship. Like, not just melted to the ship, but had become part of the ship. Like, so there's, like, body parts kind of yeah. coming out of the, the, the ship. Or not just body parts, but bodies. Bodies. Yes. Yes, they had, like, molecularly combined or whatever combined with the ship like think like the fly except with like about the ship <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so of course like none of that's um you know ever been been proven to be true but that that is interesting and you know if it was true i 100 percent be believe that tesla would have would have stepped away at the he thought anybody was going to get hurt because that just seems like the kind of guy he was. Yeah. More, more than likely. Mm -hmm. More than likely. Well, I think that is what we got on Nikolai Tesla. Uh, next time we'll come at you with some of Edison's douchebaggery <laughs> because there's a lot of it. There is a lot to tell about Edison and what a giant bag of dicks he was. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so we'd like to thank you all very much for listening. You can find us at any social media sites we're at by searching for Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. We are also on Spotify under Stranger Than Podcast. Just do a search how you'd normally search for anything. You can check out the podcast syndicate we're a part of, ageofradio.org. There you can find many other podcasts as well as our own at ageofradio.org slash stranger than, where you can listen to our episodes if you need to listen to them there. Also, you can join our Patreon. For $1, we offer you our thanks. For $2 a month, you will get our regular episodes ad-free. And for $5 a month, you get not only ad-free episodes, but also an additional true crime episode every month, which obviously also has no ads. We don't even really promote our shit on those ones, so yay for that. <laughs> Other than that, I think we will talk to you next time. And stay strange. Thank you.